It's the fat and overrated trade deadline special. What's going on? Who are we joined by? Here's some talking in the background. We got some uh, spies listening in for the trade deadline talks. Yeah, that was, that was my wife. Yes. She wants in. <laughs> no, oh. she does not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you are you freed up? You ready to roll? Freed up and ready to roll. Well, Absolutely. thanks for making it possible. We said the winner of the Toilet Bowl would be the podcast host, but we decided that uh, no matter what, we're going to give Nate the week off. He's deflated, as most of us heard last week, and uh, here you are. I'm glad to be here. So I like it in different circumstances, but always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, you know, now that we're doing the telephone thing, obviously the other hitters can jump on too, so... You know, maybe if we do it this way in the future, we could have like a, a, a uh, you know, kind of a roundabout of heavy hitters coming on because everyone's got a phone and can make a little time, I would think. But um, anyways, so yeah, you were and you were ready to go. Why don't you start us off by uh, telling us why you're so fired up to do the podcast this week? I feel like I had to defend myself with the uh, the rooting against me and the and the reasoning behind why you were rooting against me. I thought it was a little rough. A little off kilter, so to speak. So, you know, I thought it'd be a, at least kind of give my side of the story on on what led you to actively root against me and following the draft. Yeah, it's, so. you know, it's it's not like a good commissioner to root against his owners. So, uh, so let's hear it. I'm we're ready for it. Well, if I remember, and uh, if I remember the conversation. Um, you know, we've been talking about preparation and, and getting ready and, and the excitement that goes along with draft day. And I think what I had told you was that it was like the actual draft, uh, the excitement was done for me because all the preparation was done, the rankings were set, and it was just kind of plug and play. Yep. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, I think that offended you a little bit. <laughs> and I didn't mean it to be offensive, but I think, I think if I remember we were having to talk about the, the length of the draft and and how um, I felt that if you've done the work and you've put in your rankings, it, it really shouldn't be a lot of thought that you have to go into in terms of uh, pivoting or or who to go in what area because the biggest concern in my mind is just making sure that you construct the roster the right way and not necessarily individual um, players. So, yeah. So I stand, I, I, and, and then the results of the draft are inconsequential in terms of the feeling of the draft, in, in my mind. I'm not worried about having a bad draft. I'm going my ranking. So, and then you just kind of, everybody can find out what happened. So. Yeah. I mean, that sounds But pretty, yeah. I'm always, I'm always uh, willing to be a villain, so that's okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've, we've talked about it before, so there's, you know, it, it's... We've come more together on what's going on than before. So you, I, I would say I'm, what you said is pretty accurate. I mean, to add my two cents and to clarify where I was coming from, uh, first of all, I think offensive is the wrong word because, I mean, in the context of what we're talking about, it's not like I'm, you know, I think of offense as like my feelings are hurt. So de- my feelings were definitely never hurt. Um, the only things that hurt my feelings are uh, losing Barkley and McCaffrey every year trying to win titles. That hurts my feelings. But, but – the the fun part of rooting against you came from basically what you said. Your confidence in your rankings is something that, you know, and I know me, you, and John talk the most. 
me and John up till draft day pretty much annually are back and forth on our rankings. And so for it to be so easy and so plug and play for you, I I said I quote unquote, you know, am rooting against you because I want you to suffer with the rest of us who don't have a guru, who don't have a guru that because you literally, you know, like you said, you pay for your rankings. You you rarely, I'm not saying never, but you rarely question Jeff Manns and his rankings. Whereas me and Johnny are a little more free spirited and kind of make our own for the most part, and so we're agonizing over, you know. Did I want Terry McLaurin or Calvin Ridley in the fourth round this year? Like you're going back and forth on all these rankings, and it's it's a fun agony. And I obviously let's keep everything in context here, but yeah, I, want, I wanted you to get smashed so that you didn't feel so uh, comfortable in your faith in Jeff Manns and his rankings because I think, well, first of all, it's fun. Sorry, it's fun, and second of all, I don't think I've always said this: fantasy football is a game where I don't believe in a such thing as an expert. I think the game is too luck-based and the information is too widespread where I don't think someone, Jeff Manns or otherwise, knows more than Andy Cook or John Huerman or Ryan Tebow or name your person. So, yeah, so part of me wanted you to get smashed, to shake your faith, so to speak, so that next year it's a little bit more of you join us in the pit, so to speak, where, you know, you're you're – you're drafting in the first round. And you don't know if you want Chris Carson or Joe Mixon. You know, I mean, I, I need you in there in the fighting with this, agonizing with this. You know, it's more fun. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so you know, so that said, um, you've had the rough year. So I, I stopped rooting against you long ago. <laughs> um, and so let, let's bring it to the present. Do you want to move into uh, the big show, the trade deadline spectacular? Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. It's super exciting, and we already had a couple of them. Probably the biggest deals already happened, right? Well, I mean, I mean, before this happened, you and I were, were you know, was it Sunday or was it Monday morning we were talking about if, if Swizzle was going to start making moves because he had the two biggest pieces. And boy, did he. <laughs> yeah. So... So, Sweet Swizzle makes two gigantic moves, one with Vinny Greenballs, one with Al Davis. Maybe a quick breakdown. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna mess some of this up because there's a lot of pieces flying around. But Sweet Swizzle, let's start with the the, start, the, the trade with Vinny. So, Vinny trades him C.D. Lamb, J.K. Dobbins, excuse me, and uh, C.D. Lamb, J.K. Dobbins. Who's the third piece? And Debo. And Debo. And, and he gives up. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, and Juju. Now that wasn't his only yeah. off. That, go ahead. I said, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a biggie. That's a biggie. I mean, I think I texted you about <laughs> Vinny's last two flex spots and the name that, in my mind, that he has to choose from is pretty envious. Yeah, I mean, Vinny Greenballs. If we're looking at his his full power lineup this week, I mean, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson are running backs and flexes. He's got DK Metcalf and Michael Thomas at receiver. Julio Jones is on a bye, but if Julio Jones isn't on a bye, he's got Julio Jones versus Jacobs versus Carson. Those are like his big questions, maybe even Michael Thomas now, where he's got a question who he plays, but his team's stacked. His team's stacked. Um, So we know what he was doing. That side of the trade we know. Now, we learned that Swizzle had other offers. So let me ask you, I don't know if I've got it as definitively. He he went for the Debo Lamb Dobbins deal. 
apparently another deal that was on the table from goalie was um, Ridley and Eckler, a four and a, a four and a five respectively. Now that's some heavy heat too. So I mean, there there were some good offers coming in. Do you do you like the deal Swizzle took? Do you like uh, goalie's deal better? Like how, how, how do you did you you know how would you see it as far as one you would have taken if you were Swizzle? Um, I'm a fan of more, um, and I and you know you and I have talked about it a little bit on how I think there's a chance that the first ten picks of the draft next year in the HHL are going to be running back. So I think I think um, to kind of piggyback on uh, on Raider Nate. I mean, running backs are I think without a doubt who you want to keep if you have your choices. So. That being said, I like the Dobbins upside more than Eckler, um, and so I, I, I would I would have leaned towards towards that draft as opposed to uh, uh, the Eckler move. Yeah, so I, I, I like I, I think that's a better situation for Swizzle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree. I think Dobbins is the highest upside piece, but C.D. Lamb with Dak back next year, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I like Eckler to think about him in a Justin Herbert offense is exciting. I think he'll have some value next year if he doesn't get kept, which he might get kept. Um, and Ridley, of course, has been awesome. So, I mean, it's definitely, a, it's not like you're saying one's bad, one's good, but I'm with you on a, from a keeper perspective, I actually prefer the one Swizzle went with. Um, now, I had even heard that uh, Protege was tr- – now, I don't think Protege was going after Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, um, and Juju. I think he actually wanted both Packers. And he was offering up something like um, Elliot, Zeke, um, Rager, and then he was going to acquire Eckler. So it would be Elliot, Eckler, Rager, Pollard. For I think he wanted both Packers, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and I don't even know if Carson's in there. So I don't have the full story, so I can't even really make this argument, but it just at least is interesting to put that out there that Swizzle was had a lot of heat coming his way the last couple of days. I mean that's kind of a that's kind of a rough spot for for um, for Protege because I don't think there's I, I would hope there's no one in the league uh, looking at what's happening this year with the Cowboys and making that a negative for next year, because I think we all know that whoever's going to be the starting running back there is going to have tremendous value. Um, but, man, it is – I mean, if you were going to trade for Zeke as a keeper, you definitely want to have Pollard in there as well, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, now, but, yeah. Yeah. And then you, and then you have um... – Moving on to Johnny and Swizzle. So Johnny really didn't have access to those other players because the other deal was already put in place. So even though it triggered first, Swizzle was in agreement with Vinny before that. So Johnny only could really get Devontae. He gave up James Robinson. Now, you know... I I have thoughts on that, yeah. Well, and I'll set it up and then I'll let you knock them down. I don't know what your thoughts are yet, but just the setup is Robinson's a 15th round keeper. Devontae Adams, as we all know, has been lighting the world on fire. Al Davis gets Devontae, and Swizzle gets the keeper, James Robinson. Now, it's definitely not a at-the-deadline lopsided deal, because James Robinson is a top-five RB with with great value and, and some good matchups coming up, i.e. this week against Green Bay. So, you know, 
I get it's you still lean advantage Al Davis. Devontae Adams could be a league winner, but it's pretty close for a keeper trade. So, what what's your opinion there? I, I was a little surprised when I saw it because I think um, I think there's a lot. Robinson's been amazing, obviously. Right, his stats speak for himself, but I still feel that there's a lot of risk there at him as a keeper. I mean, he's not a. I, I don't feel, and obviously it could be wrong because we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason, but I don't feel like he's a lock it in keeper. So a one for one with Devontae Adams, I thought, <clears throat> I, I, that, that kind of I found surprising. I haven't looked at Al Davis because he made the trade with you, so I don't know if there's anybody else, but I, I feel like. I would have tried to pull something else. I don't. I'm looking at the roster. I don't see which side is he willing. Uh, which side are you talking about here? To who, who is you, you're thinking? I that. think from Swizzle. I think I think Devontae Adams is such a big piece and a and a uh, strong addition to a team making a run that I feel like a one for one. I feel like Swizzle. I don't know if Swizzle had other deals out there that involved Devontae. But I mean, when I look at it, I'm looking at. Um, Johnny's team right now. He's got McLaurin, Devontae, Thielen, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Galladay. Yeah. So I guess I would have tried to come back with Robinson and another and a wide receiver that's got some keeper value there. Yeah. See, he can't, I mean, he's, I just I feel like yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. Rob, he could have gotten more for Devontae. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and you see, I actually it's funny we just and I always joke on the podcast that we disagree on everything. So I do disagree. Like, I think it's a keeper trade in that I'm not saying you don't try to get more, but for Al Davis to give up more, I, I wouldn't have given up more. I mean, as great as Devontae's been, you know, you can't dis- discount James Robinson in a year where having a top running back is a huge advantage because running backs have not been good this year. And to, you know, to get Adams in one point, I actually, as you probably heard me just now, I actually was leaning towards maybe it being too good of a deal for a keeper trade. Um, but more to your side... And this this will lead into the other teams, because because when you say it, I'm like, okay, so let's say he, he had Devontae and he wanted to shop him more. Who do you think is a better keeper that's available? Because remember, there's a big thing about James Robinson versus other guys. Because if you're a more established guy than James Robinson, any more than that, you might not even get him. So let's say you don't you're swizzling, you have Devontae Adams. Who else are you trying to even shop for that you think you have a shot at as a keeper? So I, I wish I had a better grasp than me and making my deals. I haven't looked enough. Okay. And I know you and I have talked in the past week or two about how there hasn't been. Like Robinson is the guy that has come out of nowhere, 15th rounder, you know. Um, and so it, it makes sense on that end. I just, I just feel that there is uh, stronger than most. I mean, this isn't the right comparison because he's done so well this year, but I mean, he is an undrafted free agent. It is a new coaching staff that's trying to mold the team. We don't know if Robinson's the answer. In fact, I don't think Robinson was supposed to be the starter there. They let Fournette go, and right when they did, what's his name, um, went down, right? Right. Like Robinson, they didn't, Robinson wasn't the starter and they released Fournette. It was, was it Armstead was supposed to be? Was it Armstead or was it the... Well, Armstead, I, I can't remember exactly. Arm, well, Armstead was in line too. 
But there would have been whispers during the end of the summer that they really did like James Robinson. So that's that's iffy. But but even taking that into consideration, my point I, I was trying to make even before this is I hear you. But if you're any more of a sure thing than James Robinson, because I will give you that he's not as sure as thing as some other guy with a high pedigree. But if you're any more sure than James Robinson, you don't get you don't get traded in a one for one keeper deal. So my point is like I think James Robinson is as good as you get. So I'm saying it's like if you have Adams and you want something that's a sure thing, I'm asking you for example like who who could you've traded that would have been because if if anyone's a sure thing, they're not going to get traded. If, uh, you know maybe I'm not making sense here, but um, yeah, I, I, well, no, I agree with you. So, I agree with you. So let's do this. No, you're right. So let's do you're this. Right. I just, it's just it's just hard. It's hard to do a one for one keeper like that. Yeah, like I said, I, um, and I was leaning the other way. I was like, well, shoot. Yeah. Right now, right now, James Robinson finishes this season as the top five running back. It looks great. And then if Jacksonville drafts a running back in the second round, if they pull up uh, Buffalo and you know draft a running back, and and then everything, it's just like oh. Yeah. So to play, right? If Ron, if James Robinson was a second round pick, it'd be totally different, I guess. And that's just the way I. It's just, yeah. Right. And, and I, I could absolutely be wrong on that. Well, so. no, I, I. But my point isn't quite like that. It's if James Robinson was a second rounder with that sure thing, Johnny probably doesn't trade him because he's because you know True. Johnny trades him because of that little bit of question marks. And Swizzle gets him in a one-for-one because of a little bit of question marks. If James Robinson's named Dalvin Cook, that trade ain't happening. And that's the kind of difference we're talking about, I think. But, um, well, let, let's do this. I mean, that we, me and you could go all day on stuff like this. So, And also, also, you know, I'm assuming Swizzle was working these trades. And so he knew he had other stuff in the works, too. So it wasn't a truly one-for-one if, if you combine everything, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's that as well. But when, so when it first came across, it was like, ooh. Wow, okay. Yeah. And that funny. was my initial reaction. And in a general sense, it just shows what we've always learned since day one of the HHL is how different opinions of trades are because me and you are a little bit on different sides of how that looked. So, interesting. Um, yeah. Because me, I'm thinking keeper trade, it's all lopsided, you know, and James Robinson's one of the most prized keepers. And So, let's, let's go into – so, we have a week left before the deadline. It's the last pod before the deadline. So, this is the trade deadline spectacular. Now, I don't know how much is going to go on from here on out. I say this every year when stuff gets traded early, but, you know, again, I'm always curious if there's going to be any more big keeper trades. So what I did, Andy, is a couple things. I wrote down who I thought were the most likely keepers from each of the teams that were in playoff contention. And then, of course, we could talk about the teams that are out of playoff contention and what they might do. How do Okay. So let's – so – Here's what I did. So, <clears throat> goalie, Greenballs, Slingbox, Al Davis, myself, and Protege. I put in the bucket of playoff contenders. I left take it to the house a little bit in the middle because I don't blame him. It's obviously hard to go five and zero, oh, but if he went five and zero oh from here and got to eight and six with a lot of points, he could still sneak in. So that's his prerogative. If he wants to go in for keepers yet or not, he's going to have to make that call. And after this week, he'll definitely, you know, have a better idea. So I, I, I put him in the, the middle ground. And I didn't look at keepers yet for really for you, Swizzle, Nate, and Danny, because you're trading for the keepers. So, um, so in other words, let's talk about the, the contenders and the keepers they have and how you, Nate, Swizzle, or Danny might want to try to trade for. that makes sense? 
Okay, I get a little wordy. So, <laughs> so let's start with goalie. He's in first place. He really wanted to push that deal yesterday. He didn't get it. I see him now with Eckler as a four still. He's got Ridley as a five. Both injured, which in keeper deals isn't a big deal, but it's worth noting. And he's got – and I put – I put. I know you hate him, or you used to hate him. You don't believe in him, but Travis Fulgham as a 15 is a – someone you stockpile of keepers that maybe he hits. You don't know. So at least put him in there as a possibility. So Eckler, four, Ridley, five, Fulgham, 15 is who I have for goalie. Um, so since I have you on the phone, I mean, whether it be you, Ryan, Nate, or Danny, I mean um, – do you, I mean, I guess in general, I mean, do you see, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just wanted, I guess, list them. Maybe I should go through and list them all. And uh, I mean, I would, Eckler's interesting. I mean, there's risk there, but I mean, for teams that are at the bottom, I mean, I want to stockpile as many running backs as possible. So Eckler is the one, you know, if he comes back, San Diego's interesting. Or Los Angeles, I guess, you know, and that they it very much seems like they're going to go committee no matter what, but they don't seem very happy with the guys not named Eckler. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good guy right there. And then Dalvin Cook also, depending on where you are in the, uh, in the draft, you know, if you have a late first rounder. Yeah. And, and maybe Andy, before we get into the rest of the teams, because you see, brought it up earlier. Me and you had went over kind of how, and we've talked about it before, even in the preseason, how next year's draft might be deeper than we've had in a while with running backs. Finally, yeah. So let's maybe bring that up because a lot of these first round running backs that people might want to keep if they have a late pick, it's it's it'd be worth going through the list to see if you would keep a first rounder. Period. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So let, let's go through let's go through what we know. So in no particular order, these are what I count as the top running backs that cannot be kept. They're for sure going to be in the draft. And and I think there's an argument that they're all first-rounders. We have CMC, Barkley, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, James Conner. That's seven guys who have to be back in the draft. Now, now you look at running backs that are first rounders this year that can be kept, but guys might want to think about keeping them in the late first. But let's keep in mind, if you have a late one, the guy you throw back pushes those guys we just said down. Yep. So, so there's that. So we have Dalvin Cook, clear. I mean, he's a, he's up there. Um, Alvin Kamara, uh-huh. Zeke Elliott. Uh-huh. Um. So. CEH, CEH, which maybe if he if he finishes as quiet as he started, he's going to be a tougher sell, but he could definitely get in there. Um, and we're going to get to Vinny in a second, but I'm per- projecting Josh Jacobs back in the draft next year too. So that if right. so, I mean, we're looking at one, two, three, and this is just running backs: one, two, three, four, uh-huh. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So if everyone said I'm uh-huh. not keeping a one, it's too deep. We would have eleven guys draftable. That's just running backs. Now, in a year where running back has been weak, if Johnny doesn't keep Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill as ones, 
They're back in the draft as arguable first round. So it's going to be a deep draft. So the question – oh, yeah. and I know we're going to take it to the house. Like some of these guys want to hold on to their ones and hoping they get a late pick. But you're playing some some slim odds that you're going to get a late enough pick to where you wouldn't want to throw a guy back anyway. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, I, I guess I'm set up some of these keepers we're looking at too because some of them are, are high ones, you know, or, or, or first rounders, I should say. Um, so, again – to all those on the bottom, back back to the teams. We got Eckler, Ridley, and Fulgham for uh, for for uh, goalie. Now, Vinny Greenballs. We talked about how stacked his team looks on paper, and I think him and Al Davis have the best paper teams. As even if you look at just keepers for Vinny, he arguably has the two best in my opinion. He has Derek Henry as a two for another year. He has DK Metcalf, the second coming to Randy Moss, as a four. And then Jacobs is a two is, is his third best keeper in my opinion because you got to go Henry and Metcalf over Jacobs I'd think so the interesting thing about um, Vinny compared to goalie is goalie doesn't have Eckler and Ridley right now contributing to his team so he they would they would be easier gets than Henry Jacobs and Metcalf because Vinny again we go back to what we talked about with him and Swizzle if you want those guys as keepers. Who's going to have enough firepower to get those guys on the bottom yeah. feeders? I, I don't think it's. I don't think it exists. I can't see you. Um, maybe if, if if Vinny wants to get even deeper, I, Danny could maybe say, "I'll give you Kamara, Miles Sanders, AJ Brown. I'll give you everything for Henry or for Metcalf." It's going to have to be that lopsided, I think, to pry it away. Because I mean, he's deep. He's got good keepers. I mean, Vinny doesn't have to do anything else. No, the only area that he maybe would want to be looking at improving is tight end. Mm. And, and okay. he's not going to... I mean, really, there's only one or two guys that are worth trading for. And Slingbox has one of them, so I don't think that's going to happen. Well, it's interesting. I mean, that's, the, that's the only thing that, I mean, I could... I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think Vinny's done? If we had to put some money on it, is Vinny done making trades for before the deadline? Uh, somebody would have to, I, like, no, no, because, you know, Chris Carson could go on IR this week, right? Like, anything could happen in a week. Injuries could happen. So, but, I mean, if his team stays as is, I don't see what, what uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't see where he would make moves. Okay, okay. Some, someone would have to blow him away. I, I agree with you. I think that's it. I think if his team stays healthy, he, I don't know what else he could do. Well, actually, I do have an idea of what he could do, but I did. I brokered trade last year, trades last year, and it almost worked against me, so I'm not going to say it out loud. I do think there's a move for him to make that makes sense for all parties, but I'm just going to let him work on it if he sees it. But um, you hinted at it earlier. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, yeah. Let's move on to... Uh, Slingbox, who is currently in third place, but, um, you know, I've said it before, and I think he'd agree. His team over the last few weeks has is grown weaker with Ronald Jones and uh, CEH taking big back seats to other guys in the backfield and, and things of that nature. So he's battling, but he is in, he's in third place, so he's definitely battling. So the thing about Slingbox, though, Andy, is, in to my eyes, the only real keeper... Outside of if you're really stretching, because you could always stretch and, and make an argument for some other guys. But really, Lockett is a five. 
has some keeper value, but I don't see much. And I don't know if you're looking at the roster, but Lockett as a five is what I see. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see Lockett as a five is his piece if he's going to try to get guys from the bottom, the bottom feeder, so to speak. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's another name. I mean, we talked all about running backs, but Kelsey goes back. Kelsey goes back, yep. And his relative advantage at tight end is arguable. For I mean, Kittle was a first number this one, year. Going to be the fifth year in a row, I think, this year. He'll be the number one tight end. Yep, yep. So deep draft. But for Slingbox, he's got Lockett as a piece. I don't see much else keeper-wise. You can stretch on a couple. I mean, if you want to say... I, I, I just don't see much there for keepers outside of Lockett. Which <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if like Ronald Jones or Philip Lindsay did something in the off season, maybe and change you know scenery or something, but yeah, I mean, there's everything else is a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lockett's there. I mean, and he needs help. Um, yeah. I, I mean, his receivers his best position, tight end and receiver. Obviously, Kelsey's strong. He could try to upgrade his running backs by moving Lockett. Um, again, if he's trying to trade him to a bottom feeder, you know, maybe you have a running back that he likes enough to trade Lockett for and you would want Lockett. Um, Raider Nate has Gurley, Gordon, um, some pieces. I mean, Slingbox doesn't have a lot of shots on goal here, but I'm, I'm assuming he's going to try to move Lockett for a couple pieces if, if someone's desperate at the deadline. So maybe there's a deadline deal for Lockett. What do you think? Would be that would be the movie. That to that be his biggest piece. I don't know how much he's going to get out of that. But like somebody like Gurley, I mean, that's something. I don't think Nate's sitting there chopping at the bit to have Todd Gurley be a keeper. So right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, you, you want to stockpile as many as you can. And the problem I mean, is the tough part is from Slingbox's perspective. If he only got Gurley back, he's going to be like, well, I'd rather just play Lockett, you know? I mean... I know. So, I don't know if he'll be able to yeah, make but, this year. Yeah, but I mean, he still has... Uh, God, like you said, he's got the wide receivers, but I mean... I mean, he's got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a running back. But yeah, the running back situation is... Gee, he's got tough choices every week, let's just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, you can see his lineup right now. It's got holes all over it because he doesn't know who to play, which I could relate to. But, uh, yeah, we'll get to me. I'm, let, let's talk about Al Davis before we get to me, though. Al Davis, oh, wow. him and Vinny Greenballs, I think they have the best paper teams. And they both have the best, or they have some of the best keepers, let's say. Um, especially Greenballs. But let's look at Vinny, I mean, um, Al Davis. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I wanted to point this out. Hill and Adams, in a year where running back is down, Hill and Adams are better than most of the running backs that were drafted at the top of the draft. I mean, Hill and Adams have been monsters. And he has both of them now. So he could, with the high pick, choose to keep both of them and say, I'm going zigging when everyone's trying to get running backs. I'm still going to go receiver. He could have Hill and Adams as a one and a two next year. So I put those guys in there as possible keepers. Now, they're not possible keepers probably to the guys at the bottom, but it's worth pointing out. Also, though... He has Mostert as a three, who, who if he finishes strong again, you got to consider that. Um, I mean, I like I, that. Yeah, I have a bias, but Terry McLaurin is a four, especially if they can upgrade quarterback. I think he's as talented as they come. He's a four, so I mean, there's something there if he finishes strong like he's doing so far. Cream Hunt is a five. I mean, I, it's weird to keep a handcuff 
I guess, or not even handcuff. I don't know what you call it. A, a, a timeshare back, but if there's anyone that deserves it, it's Kareem Hunt as a five. So there's keeper value there. If the Browns thing stays together, um, he's got Diggs as a seven from you in a trade. So great pick. So he these so Mostert, Diggs, Hunt, McLaurin. These, you know, if the guys at the bottom can scrape up enough value, they could be aiming for some of these guys. I don't know if anyone is. I'm telling you, man. I just feel like the trader, the trades might be done, but maybe I'm wrong. Because like, who could you know? You know, Al Davis is always open to make moves. So if he thinks he can make his team better, he'll do it. Well, that my thing is from the other side. Like, I think Al would, but I'm trying to think of of the guys at the bottom we talked about. You know, you Nate, Danny, and um, Swizzle. Who's got enough left to even get one of those guys as a keeper? That's I don't know if there's enough firepower at the bottom of the rosters yet. I mean, Danny's the obvious one, and he's the one that's on the bubble. Because he's got Kamara. Miles Sanders is already a good keeper as a five, though. But I, yeah. Kamara's the big piece. I mean, I keep going back to Danny. Kamara, if Danny goes keeper value, and the hard part with Danny is I don't know if he wants to. I, he might just want to play getting a late first rounder and keep Kamara. You know, he might not even want to move Kamara. Um,. But if it's Vinny or Al, I think Kamara's like the only piece they would really even want as an upgrade. Um, of course, yeah, mm. of course. I'm telling you, man, these trades might be done. Um, but Dan, Danny has a history of that, right? I mean, I mean, I know it's, I know everything's changed. But was, was it the Andre Johnson year where he refused to move him out of the integrity of the league? <laughs> yeah, liter- literally a Wasn't decade that? ago, but that was him. Yeah. <laughs> And it, but you know, to his credit, so that's true. And um, Danny was also the one that you feuded with when you were trying to stockpile a bunch of what you'd call like second tier keepers. And he was like basically saying that's a bunch of crap that you shouldn't be selling out for a bunch of second tier keepers. And you guys went back and forth. And, and I think history proved Danny wrong, to be quite honest with you, because I've always been about stockpiling and I've always been about yeah. the ability, inability of us to guess that far out. Um, and I think he came around because, you know, even last year when he was struggling right off the bat with no wins, I traded him McLaurin as a four or as a 15 and I traded him Sanders as a five for keeper value early in the year. And those guys, he, it took foresight because credit to Danny, no one was, was jumping up and down about those guys being keepers when he took the trade. He had foresight there and he was right. He was proven right. So to his credit, um, so to your point, he's has some history, but I think recently he's come around to a little more of the modern HHL and stockpiling. So he may just wait this week out. If he gets to that seventh loss, maybe he just sells Kamara, but otherwise maybe he thinks it's his best chance to win and he has some keeper value, you know, at the end of the first. So Well it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if like you said, if Danny loses and if Pittsburgh comes out again looking like they're gonna timeshare Connor. It'd be interesting to see. I, I, if I were Al Davis and that situation happened, and, and I would be definitely trying to put the pressure on getting Kamara. Well, so. yeah. Well, and with Connor though, because Connor's you can't keep Connor though. No, no, I, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, okay, okay. I'm not saying trade Connor. I'm just saying okay. he moved Robinson, and so he's got Hunt and Connor. Obviously, we got Chubb coming back. Um, like if Mostert is still going to be a couple weeks away, and then all of a sudden Connor's looking 
like he's in a timeshare, it might might put the onus on on the. Day just to try to make happen. Yep. That's all. And I'm looking at it on paper, and I see something that would make sense for both. I'm not going to say it out loud, though. I'll let them work it out. But uh, yeah. I see something that makes a lot of sense for both of them in that scenario that you just mentioned. Um, okay. 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 Let's go to Protege. Protege's at four and five now. And Protege loves, and he was right, Kyler Murray is a six. I mean, I think it's a lock keeper for him. I don't know if other people want to trade for him or if he would even trade him because, I mean, he's he said he's untouchable. I've never even heard of him being offered. So he's a six-round keeper. He's this year's Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, even in a year that's got a lot of better quarterbacks. That's kind of a bad – anyways, point is he's tearing it up. He's a six-rounder. He has keeper value, but I don't know if he moves him for anything. Um, I mean, if, if Danny offered Kamara – I don't even know if he'd trade Kyler for Kamara. Um, interesting if that ever gets talked about, by the way. Um, he's got Hopkins as a two. There could be value there. He's got Waller as a seven, which, you know, in an age where it's Kelsey and everybody else, Waller as a seven has been pretty good. There's there's some value there. And, like, I put Rager in there. He's all hyped at this point. He can't stay healthy. But Rager is a 12. Okay, I'll throw him in there. He's got a name, some hypey name still. But, um, yeah, Murray's a 6. Hopkins is a 2. Waller's a 7. I'm curious if, like, Raider Nate loves quarterbacks. He's already got Russell Wilson, though, and, like, he's a 6-rounder, too. So I don't even know if he cares about Kyler. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm looking at Nate. You, Danny, and, and Swizzle. And I don't know if, if anyone's going to make a move for those guys or not. It's I love it because I can't even, you know, I try to see things, trades at work, and even I can't see everything that's going to happen in a week. Um, but that's who he would have to move from a ke- straight keeper's perspective. Yeah, he, yeah I think that's his, his biggest piece. I don't know. You think Kyler Murray, yeah, Kamara, Kyler Murray deal? I maybe. I don't. I'm trying to think of something that you know. Um, but again, he loves Kyler, and, and and so I don't even know if Kamara's worth it for him. You know, Kamara's got a tough schedule here on out. I mean, and Mike Thomas is back, and those looking at splits would note that when Mike Thomas plays, Kamara's production has been way lower. And get, it's only one week, but it's it's enough to scare you because he was he only scored ten points last week when Thomas is back. So. You know, Kamara might have lost a little value in the other people's eyes too, a little bit. Um, hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, Danny's got a couple quarterbacks that wouldn't be too much of a of a down downer from uh, Kyler Murray. So, yeah, it's true, it's true. Kamara and Rogers, you know, for Kyler, if he wants to keep him or. Um, if he wants to buy into quarterback, you know, and keeping a quarterback, which is always hard to do. And Al Davis, you know, Vinny learned it last year because Pat Mahomes last year, especially early, he finished strong, but early did not return value. Lamar Jackson has not returned value for Al Davis. So, you know, everyone's looking for the quarterback that's worth keeping as, you know, because the sixth round is, it's it's not, it, that there's some players to be had in the sixth round. So it's not like it's super cheap to keep a quarterback in the sixth. Um. But he loves him, and he, he's earned it this year. So, um, and that Andy, that that leaves just me. Who's the boss? And let me tell you, 
maybe it's because it's my team. I try to be objective. I feel like I have a very unique situation on my hands with keepers because I have, first of all, losing McCaffrey again, which seems like it's going to be maybe he's getting a second opinion, which is not good. If if, I I think Matthew Berry said, if someone's getting a second opinion, it means the first opinion is not good. So McCaffrey, and and, and let's be honest, let's be honest for running back. A shoulder injury is not good. Like that's hard to come back from. Yeah. We don't know what it is. Have they said exactly what it is? Well, I've heard. No, I, I think they're waiting for that second opinion. But the, the I think the best prediction I heard was an AC sprain. Right now, AC sprains vary in they vary in severity. I've had one. I had a cortisone shot in it, and I understand what they feel like. I don't know what level mine is compared to his. I will say I, I distinctly remember Carlos Hyde. A couple years ago, having an AC injury and playing through it. Now, if the second opinion shows more than an AC sprain, then uh, obviously that's bad news. And they've, but they're three and six. Even a bad AC sprain, they might just shut them down. So, yeah. So, in, in other words, I went from I think with McCaffrey on my team for the three. I only had him three games this year. No Barkley last year. Barkley missed half the year. By the way, I'm just saying that I won a title with these keepers being useless a lot so kudos to me for being awesome um but anyways i digress um cmc is looking bad so i got mike davis who obviously started off strong and and withered away um so my point being i'm five and four i'm battling i'm getting lucky matchups so i need to be i need to make a move if i can so here's the thing though i have a collection of running backs with good value that all have question marks. And I don't see other teams in the to quite the extent I do. For instance, Gibson is a 7. Edmonds as a 9. Drake is a free agent after this year. So Edmonds as a 9. What's going on there? Harris is an 8. Patriots running back. What's going on there? They both showed promise, but haven't been dominant, of course. Henderson as an 11. Has looked great when he's healthy. Could he take that job? There's some value there as an 11. Miles Gaskin is a 15. And as you said with James Robinson, absolutely the Dolphins could go get another running back. Absolutely. But absolutely they could not. That happens too. And he's they love him. They absolutely love him. There's a reason that everyone thought it was between Breida and Howard and Gaskin's been the dude. Like, they love him. It's that Patriots mantra, if they love a guy, they're going to play him. They don't care. So, again, all these guys have flaws. Edmonds, Harris, Henderson, Gaston, all have flaws, but they have late round value and there is upside there. So I'm willing to move these guys. If the guys like you, Nate, Danny, if you guys can't get the big dogs, if you can't get Henry's, if you can't get the Jacobs, if you can't get the Metcalfs of the world, I'm open for business this week. So just th- throw some, throw me some current year of guys for some running backs that might hit next year. I, I clearly, they're not tier one guys, but they all have upside. Um, now, I will say, too, uh, Gibson, Gibson has a hurt shoulder this week. Um, his value was, been, was at his heights last week after 20 carries, so I'm willing to move anybody. And if Gibson misses this week and I can play McKissick and trade Gibson, I'll trade him ASAP if, if Raider Nate still wants to trade for him. Um, I mean, and then finally you have who I think is a good keeper, especially with the Herbert revelation. So I got Keenan Allen as a six from you. And Keenan Allen is a six. I mean, if we're talking about guys like Hopkins as a two, 
why aren't we talking about guys like Allen as a six, who's been a monster since Herbert started playing? Um, so I, I have guys on move. And if I can get a nice package of players from any of you guys, I'd love to make a move. But I've, I've poured over rosters today, and the problem is I couldn't see anything because I, I don't know if Drake Kenyon Drake's starting this week. I don't know if Henderson's starting this week. I don't know if Harris is playing. Gaskin's on IR. Is Gibson playing or not? So I want to make a move so bad, but I need more information. <laughs> but I'm willing, again, anyone out there that wants these, take a shot at these stockpile some keepers. If you miss on the big dogs, knock on my door. Let's do business. I got a lot. I got one, two, three, four, five running backs with some keeper value. I mean, I got them. I just want to make a move so bad, but I just, I can't see anything without more information. Because I need help. I'm making, well, a I'm making a run, and my team is clearly, without McCaffrey, my team's clearly behind that top tier of teams of, like, Al Davis and Vinny. Like, I needed McCaffrey so bad. And, um, so I need to make a move. Well, I definitely think Gibson, obviously, is the guy with the value. So, did he, he got hurt during the game this past week? I think so. Um, I watched the game. He went out, he, he lost a bunch of snaps late, and I was, of course, upset. And I was wondering why. My first thought was he missed a block that got Kyle Allen out for the year. And so I was like, oh, I bet he missed that block and they benched him. But then I was like, I wonder if he's hurt. And then it comes out that he had a shoulder. So I, I think he got hurt, and that's why he sat the rest of that game, in my opinion. Um, and that's what I'm going to sell, because if I'm selling him, i got to say it's that, not that he's just not getting playing time. But... Um, I think it's the injury. So he's a nice piece. I wanted him as a keeper. He could be McCaffrey next year. So, you know, I'd trade him. I'll tell you what. Jonathan Taylor's been a bust. But if Nate prefers Gibson to Taylor and would give me Taylor and say, like, Melvin Gordon, if Gibson doesn't play this week, I'll make that move. If Gibson plays, he plays Detroit. I can't move him this week because he plays the worst run defense in the league. So I, if Gibson plays, I have to play him. And so I don't see myself making a move before this weekend's game. It's going to have to be a deadline deal, and uh, I'm I'm ready to move. I'm ready to move. Well, I, anyways, so I went. I I spewed a lot out there. Do you have any general thoughts on the keeper deadline spectacular here? The trade deadline spectacular keepers, anything like that? Uh, I feel like the I feel I feel like the keepers are kind of weak. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like, it's, it's weird. I know we have a culmination of a lot of keepers going back in. Exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's really, it's really interesting. There's just, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There's, there aren't, there's not a lot of jump off, like, holy cow. Yep. Um, yep. And the jump I mean, off. I think the whole. Yeah. I think it's the NFL as a whole. I mean, like, there's a lot of question marks, teams doing weird things, and, you know, only a handful of bell cows. Definitely interesting. Yep. interesting. And, the, and the COVID situation just doesn't make it any easier. So. Yeah. You had a convergence. I of, think this year more than any, it's, it's a stockpile year. You want to get as many as you can. Well, and, and, you can. and I think you have to because, like we talked about, the big dogs are being guarded by guys like Vinny, and, or Vinny especially. And the, the guys that have the keeper value have too much current year value, and that that causes yeah. a conundrum. And um, but I think to your point, it was a convergence of running backs are going back in the draft. That 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 clearly is one of the reasons. 
the running back class in general under has been underperforming this year. You mentioned COVID too, yeah. of course, but um, and you have guys running backs getting drafted earlier and earlier every year. So you're, there's just all these little pressures making the, the running back value, especially being a little more sketchy. So stockpile, hope for the best. I agree with you, and of course, I definitely agree because I have a lot of guys that someone else can stockpile. So there's that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, here we go. So. As we move off this topic, I know we have one more I wanted to get to, but Andy Cook put money on this hypothetically. Let's say there's no okay. major, no major major injuries this week. If there's no major injuries where there's obvious need created, as you see rosters right now, do you see any keeper deals being done from here on out for the deadline? And do you have predictions on what, or is it just like it? Because it does happen every year. We always think it won't, and it will. So, is it just like you're betting on the field, or do you see an exact kind of deal that you're hearing? I, I think I think Danny Danny's going to move. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting if he didn't. But I mean, it's just I think everybody's going to be. I think obviously this week. I, I don't know. I don't know the matchup off the top of my head on exactly how it can filter out, but I mean, that's a, that's a piece that needs, that is going to get, he's going to get pressure on. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. Indeed. I mean, and, and always, there's, there's usually always some sort of quarterback that gets moved as well. Um, I mean, we've talked about that forever, just how the teams that win the championships usually have a top five quarterback that go along with it. So I don't necessarily think a, a keeper smash deal, but I think, you know, Danny, if Danny loses, I don't know who he's going against. But he's got Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's got, even though he's, he's coming off a bad week, but, you know, Tom Brady's got at Atlanta, at Detroit in the playoffs. And, Along with that, Kamara. Like I just see, I see Danny making a move. Yeah. At the very least, his phone's going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So he plays Slingbox this week. So we're not going to go through the matchups because it was the keeper or the trade deadline spectacular. But he's in a big game because me, protege, and Al Davis want Slingbox to lose so bad. So Danny's in a big matchup this week. So we kind of we want him to win. Um, and the matchup of the week, by the way, we won't get into it in detail, but goalie plays green balls this week. So that's big. Oh. Yep. They're they're playing that's for uh, spot. Nice. playing for first place, playing for seeding. A couple uh Clash of the Titans there, so um that's a, that's probably the matchup of the week there. So Andy, I don't want to spend too too much more time. You know, it's late. And uh by the way, having you on you know, me and Nate are usually a little bit fatigued. You're a night owl. Don't sleep much. A lot of caffeine. And I think the, I, I think the listeners can feel that pep. So thanks for bringing the pep tonight. But what I wanted to talk about, and it's hard to condense this because me and you already talked an hour about this. I created a clone league with a new scoring system in Yahoo. Everyone knows this. Everyone, thank you for you know helping me out with doing that. And let me quickly preface it by saying that the reason I did it was to try to get a gauge of how 
we might experience, our whole experience of fantasy football would be drastically changed if we did a change like that. PPR, points per first down, big scoring changes. And having it be a clone league and not our actual league that we're invested in, I've found myself not getting as much out of it as I could because I'm not experiencing it through that, right? Because it's, it's about how you watch football, right? Do we want to go to a situation where you're, you're watching football and, like, points are being scored all over the place? Catches, first downs, touchdowns, yards, like, it's a different experience. And is that a better experience? That's what I, That was my philosophy behind doing it. But it's hard to put yourself in those shoes without the investment. Um, so that said, if you guys, just putting the seed in everyone's head, as we finish this season, download that Yahoo app, try to at least glance at it and see if you can try to get a taste of how it's being scored and how you're experiencing it. If you can, I know it's hard to do because that's really the determining factor for me. If we went that way, um, because, and I blab in here, but the last point from a numbers perspective for those not keeping score at home, me and me and you had looked at Andy. The scoring changes would definitely affect the outcomes, which I, in the back of my head, was kind of hoping it wouldn't. Because, right, if it didn't affect anything, then I'd be like, okay, let's just keep what we have. But two out of five matchups, 40% of our matchups were flip-flopped last week Yep. in the new scoring. So I just threw a whole lot at you. But give me your, like, general thoughts and, like, just how you're taking all this in, this whole new league thing. It's, it's a lot of data. To, to absorb and cook stack Inc. has decided to over the next couple of weeks to, to try to put some resources to diving a little bit deeper into what that actually means but for those for those of the listeners that maybe haven't checked out we'll just take this last week for instance we'll start off with like a goalie who be taken to the house by 27 points in the new format the zombies I, yeah, zo- zombie league, clone league, whatever. I just... Okay, so goalie won by 27 points, give or take, and then in the zombie league, he won by 26. In protege Vinny matchup, Vinny won by 34, but in the zombie league, he won by 49, so a 15-point increase. Uh, Slingbox, who's the boss, uh, you beat Slingbox by 41, in the new league, you won by 58, so another 17-point increase. Um, but the, the interesting ones were Al Davis had beat Swizzle by five points, and in the zombie league, Swizzle wins by three, so an eight-point mm-hmm. swing. Mm-hmm. And then Nate beat me by one, just over one point, and in the zombie league, I win by 15, just a massive 16-point swing yep. um, in the opposite direction. So... The question is why is that? And to me, it's, you know, we, we made so many changes that in that league, it's where it's not just a first round league. We also added PPR in there, so it's kind of figure out exactly what what that meant and and really what we want to get out of it. So it, I, I kind of talked to you a little bit a couple of days ago. I'm like, do we want to look at this? At, at, you know, when it originally started on making quarterbacks a little bit more valuable. So one of the things that I'm going to try to look into is just try to figure out what what a mean score um, for the team rankings of a quarterback. Essentially, looking at what the top 10 quarterbacks in the HHL 
and what they mean in terms of the percentage of points for a team. And then looking to see how much that changes in the zombie league. So for yeah. me, mm-hmm. and just spitballing, and, and these are, I haven't run the numbers yet, but if we're going to say we have, how many starters do we have? We do eight starters? Yes. So if, if it comes out that even though we have eight starters, a quarterback, a top 10 quarterback should be worth about 12% of your point. Right. In the HHL. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting if in the zombie league all of a sudden that becomes 25 points or, right. you know, 20 points. If there's a big, you know, swing in that, okay. Then mm-hmm. we could say, wow, that change in, in adding first downs really does make a quarterback a lot more valuable um, and a lot more pivotal piece in terms of drafting and where you want to go. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things we're going to kind of think. The Cook staff think is going to kind of look into and see if he can make any type of answering in the statistical side. But it was interesting to see that big of a swing yeah. in terms of not just the Al Davis and Swizzle matchup, but the, the 17 point swing in the opposite direction for me and Nate was pretty darn interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, it, there's, yeah, you just touched on it. There's, there's definitely a statistical difference. So let me tell you after two weeks, and I'm we're gonna, this is just spitballing week to week. Boy, our opinions will change and adjust and, and and evolve. But here's how I've broken it down so far, and where I'm conflicted. But here's how I feel. Here's how I feel. Let's put it out there. So if me and you talking, especially. I like, and this again, I'm talking more of a squishy, a subjective thing, and this is very hard to quantify. But my thing about how you experience the the thing, right? You. Versus heavy hitters where it's like just yards and touchdowns and that's all you're focused on. Versus having more ways to win. Having more ways to lose. There's more ways to score. Points per first down, points per catch. And is that better or worse? And on Monday night, me and you were talking because in another league, a PPR league, you had Jacoby Myers who needed to have a big old week. And because it's PPR... He did have a big old week, and he won you that week. And as we talked about it, I was like, well, you know what? This makes me like the zombie league scoring because I envision now as an experience, right, the subjective thing I'm trying to quantify, a Sunday night or Monday night game, win or lose, it it cuts both ways. But the point is you can win or lose in many different ways, and that seems like it would be a more fun experience. And so I was like, well, hell, I'm sold. But then I was like, but wait. I told you this too. I try to project that onto Sunday. And for those of us who have our red zone on or flipping between games and get to have the privilege of watching a lot of football, then I'm like, yeah, but on a Sunday, is it so much types of scoring that it's overwhelming and lacking a a concentrated focus on just two elements, yards and touchdowns, makes it a less fun experience? So I got on one hand, I like the, I I was selling myself. On the other hand, I was questioning like if it would be too much on a Sunday. And again, I'm speaking very squishy here on subjective feelings, but that's that's where I'm at. So I'm still torn, but I'm gonna try to as these weeks unfold, I want to try to experience it through that lens if I could if I could force myself into that Yahoo thought, you know. Well, it's definitely interesting, and if anybody's played in PPR leagues, and, and I started playing in one last year, and it was an experiment with my brother just to see what it was like. It's it's definitely a change in. in what you're looking at because the HHL is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. 
I am watching touchdowns. I mean, that's the biggest thing that you look for. You know, when I'm looking on the app, I'm checking all the the uh, the way the ESPN app is on my phone. I'm going through all the games and looking at who's in the red zone, and I'm watching ESPN red, or the NFL red zone. And so I'll be thinking that I'm doing pretty good when I check in on the on the PPR league, and then I know that no one scored, and I'll go and check it, and all of a sudden there's been massive point swings in my matchup because someone you know, had a wide receiver that got, you know, four receptions on a drive, even though it stalled out with a field goal, but, you know. Yeah. And so, and you don't see that happening because you're not paying attention. So, it is, it's not as easy to keep track of mm-hmm. in terms of without diving into each game. So, there yep. is that. Um, but I think I talked to you about this as well. It did feel, I mean, for people to, to fill it in, I mean, I needed 28 points and change to, to win in my PPR league, and the last catch that Jacoby Myers got put him at over 29. That's amazing. And gave me the win. Uh, and it was just like, it just didn't feel like a 30-point game. And, and, to give, and to give everybody else an idea, in the zombie league, Jacoby Myers scored 36.9 points without scoring a touchdown. And, and you and I had opposite reactions to it. I'm like, yep. that just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Like, you should score a touchdown and put, if you're putting up 30 something points. But, uh, but I definitely see the excitement on the other end of this makes, this gives us more ammo to try to, to build lineups and to work waiver wires as well. So. Yeah, there's a difference, definitely a strategic shift as well as like you, like you said, I turned it on its head and I was like, I know that you're not used to that, but I'm like, from a philosophical standpoint of why I even did this in the first place, it was you got a guy, Jacoby Myers, who he didn't score the touchdown, but you could argue his impact on that game should have counted. And I think f- first downs and catches are what helped supplement that, right? It would help validate the fact that he, because he, he, that, as you saw, the Patriots won the field goal at the, literally the last second, and he was the biggest part of that from a receiving end. He was moving the chains and getting them in position, like, and he was rewarded for it in the zombie league. And I'm like, that seemed, that's why I was so convinced. I was like, damn, we should do it. Like that, a guy, sh- a guy should have a monster game without scoring a touchdown if he has that kind of impact on the game. That's the, was my philosophy, the way I was looking at philosophically. But again, on the other hand, it's what you just mentioned. You're watching red zone and you didn't even notice a guy got four catches on a drive. It's like almost a touchdown's worth of points. And the guy did, got four catches for 11 yards. You know, it's like, so I, yeah. So anyways, I, I just want to discuss it. Thank you for your input. And I think we both give angles to the rest of the hitters if, if they're listening to just pay attention to that league a little bit and see if you, you have opinions on what me and you are talking about, basically, so we can actually get serious about considering it. The, the, the other thing that's interesting, is, and we hadn't talked about this, we talked about it a little bit, but with that first down scoring, Cam Newton, without throwing a touchdown, scored 42 points. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, eight, he passed for eight first downs. He rushed for three first downs and obviously had the rushing TD. So. Yeah, and again, yeah. Just, yeah, just like Jacoby Myers, though, though, you saw the sneaks. I mean, there were first downs that were huge first downs, and it felt yeah. kind of good to think he deserved – in fantasy, that's deserved points. And I'm like, again, oh, man, Andy, you got – I'm feeling like we need to do it, man. I'm telling you, these <laughs> – because here's the other thing. I was worried about Sunday, and it's overwhelming, but there's a Thursday, a Sunday night, and a Monday night. I and mean, there, there's a lot of football on these kind of isolated games. And 
and maybe yeah yeah so anyway so interesting but hey I want to give you the last word we don't know if we'll get you on another pod this year um we don't plan these things is there anything you'd like to say at all to the league to anybody to me as your sign off before we uh wrap it up um yeah, no, I'll be ready for the draft next year, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a pretty simple process for me, and I'm feeling confident about it. <laughs> you, you, you will not be agonizing over your rankings. Um, you put your faith in Jeff Manns. Your faith has not been shaken, even though here here we go. So one could argue that your rankings weren't in tip top shape based on the season you had. One could argue it. Oh, I disagree. I know. I, disagree. I know you think it's about who you played and, and stuff like that, but one could argue if it. I, if I had put 100% faith in the Jeff Manns, I never would have traded Vinny. So, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Uh, if anybody listens to Jeff Manns on, on XM, I mean, he was shouting from a rooftop, don't panic if you're 0-3 or 1-4 and, and start trading guys. Just hold out. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Andy, I... Um, I look forward to rooting against you again next year when you're super confident. <laughs> and uh, no, it was fun. I hope everyone, I think everyone will listen. I hope it was fun. And uh, I don't know. Um, I'm sure I'll be talking to you in the next day or two. Oh, and I hope uh, I hope we get the draft in person. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, man. Before I took a shower before we did the pod, and I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, we made the draft work, and like. The farther away we get, we get from the draft, as the season's flying by, I'm like, I feel that hole in my heart, man. Because the year before this, specifically, was one of my favorites. Because you, protege, and Al Davis coming over the night before, and us talking a bunch of shit the night before the draft. Like, that big extravaganza, like, that was so fun last year. And, like, and uh, this year having the, yeah, I just, there's a hole in my heart. So, I, you know, the, the vaccines are out there. So, I, I think we're looking pretty good. I'll give them at the door if I have to myself. Did you? Did you get the Pfizer stock? Are you in on that? No. Are you like those, those biomed stock? Did you hear the the issue with that going on right now? I didn't buy into Pfizer. And are you talking about their CEO selling stock? Yeah, they had a couple people. They had it, they had it already scheduled, you know, and it was all set up beforehand. And then he claims that he got the information on Sunday. But a lot of times people will stop their sale just so that controversy doesn't happen. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, Moderna's got one in the works, too. I mean, you know, credit to the to humans in America, too, for for uh, getting some vaccines that look like they have some promise, Pfizer and Moderna both. But, no, I didn't have any Pfizer. The only play I made directly, well, I won't bore you with stock talk, but um, I bought and sold Gilead months ago when they had uh, Remdesivir as a promising uh, treatment. I sold at good times there. And, and to be fair, I have a Jeff Mans like guru for some stock, so I'm not taking credit for being a, a guru myself. Um, right. But no, I didn't get into Pfizer and some of the other plays that were working on a vaccine. Um, yeah, but so no, no. But yeah, I'm, I'm, back to your point. Yeah, I'm I'm already looking forward to next August and drafting in person. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mans had that guy on who won a million dollars. Oh, yeah, so Andy's talking, Fanner's talking about his guy, Jeff Manns, does a lot of DFS stuff, and one of his listeners, using his advice, won a million bucks, so. 
dollar buy-in, and he does it. He's like a, an older dude. And he, it's like he just he only he he'll, he'll does it. He does the million dollars every week. He does one entry. That's it. And uh, like literally hit the lottery. Oh, nice! <laughs> a million dollars. A million Pretty. bucks. <laughs> Jerry Judy. That was the play, Jerry oh. Judy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to go eat dinner. All right. Thanks, Commish. No, thank you. Fun. That was fun. And, Nate, I appreciate you. Yes. I like what you do on this. Thank we, you. We need to get him inflated. We need him to have a big year next year and and so he can keep doing this. I don't, with I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. He, he wanted to make sure I told you that he was rooting for you last week. Oh, that was very nice of him. Yes, yes. Oh, I, you know what? I do, I'll bring up one thing if we have enough time. Because you asked him about the Jonathan Taylor thing. So I heard something yesterday that said that, that a report came out from an Indianapolis newspaper that Frank Wright scripts the first 15 plays, and then after that, Tom Rathman makes all the running back decisions. Okay. And, and that in the last two weeks, it's been the Jonathan Taylor show in the scripted plays, and then when Rathman takes over, he starts throwing Wilkins and Hines and stuff. Oh. They're kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, kind of an interesting little tidbit, you know? Yeah, it, well, like, and, and honestly, for those who don't pay that or didn't know this, from what I understand, most teams, the head coach has a delegated person to do their running back rotation, and they don't even pay attention to it. I've heard that with multiple teams. Yeah, but he makes a conscious decision in the scripted plays to have it all be tailored. Like, oh. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that and, and one other thing. What is going on with the Washington football team? What what did Haskins do? How are you having Alex Smith be the starting quarterback? Uh, well, let me let me do this real quick. We all talked about me, you, Johnny, anyone I heard on the media. Alex Smith when he his first game back, it was scary and sad, and people didn't want to see him in there. To Alex Smith's and and I mean the bigger story to me was last week, and it hasn't been talked about a lot. The difference of what he looked like a few weeks back when he first came in and looked like we didn't know if he was going to make it out alive to last week, I give him a lot of credit. He looked way better. Now, he's not a world beater, but to me, honestly, he looked like Alex Smith. He, he's never been a guy to take a bunch of chances, but he was doing more intermediate throws. He wasn't just checking down and, and collapsing and stepping up in the pocket too early like that first week where he looked bad. He looked better. So let me just – I mean, Alex Smith looked a lot better. He just threw for over 300 yards. I mean – to his credit, he, I, I'm really surprised. I thought he was done, done. And he looked like he actually has a chance of being a, a decent player again. Um, but that said, I'm with you um, on Haskins because, I don't know, he, he looked he did look awful. I, there's that. Haskins did not look good, you know. But I'm with you. I mean, you think he'd play the young guy, right? I, I don't know. I mean, at the very least, I mean, if, if, if he if, – why is he on the roster? Yeah. Like, he's obviously done something. Cut him. Like, what? what is it? Because you're not giving him a chance to trade him. So, I mean, like, what? It, 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 I, I don't know. And then, yeah, I mean, if Alex Smith gets, I mean, you saw Alan dislocates his ankle on just a routine. I mean, like, oh. 
just when when he was in the game a couple weeks ago and they were flashing up to his kid, his wife and kids, and his wife could barely watch. Like, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Anyway, I don't know. that's something I just had to get off my chest. I, I don't like that. That's just a weird. Uh, yeah. Well. I don't know. I know we we've gone long. So. All right. Yeah. Well, in, well, you had the last word. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Commissioner. All right. See ya.